You're listening to the Australian Family and Fertility Law Podcast. Here's your host, Stephen Page. G'day, I'm Stephen Page from Page Proven, and I want to talk to you today about traditional surrogacy as against gestational surrogacy. In other words, who is a traditional surrogate and who is a gestational surrogate? I'm a dad through surrogacy. Uh, Since 1988, I've advised in over 1,750 surrogacy journeys for clients in every part of Australia and at last count, 32 countries overseas. So what is a gestational surrogate? There is so much jargon in this place that it's hard at times to feel overwhelmed uh, by the jargon. But in essence, a gestational surrogate is a woman who has a baby for someone else who has no genetic relationship with the child. She gestates the child. In other words, she carries the child. Sometimes you'll see in American documents in particular that she'll be called a gestational carrier because that, in effect, reflects her role. She is carrying the child for someone else and by doing so, she is pregnant and gives birth. That's it. She is not the mother in the sense of being the genetic mother. A traditional surrogate is different. A traditional surrogate is someone who is not only gestating the child, but is also genetically linked to the child. She is the genetic mother of the child. So there are quite crucial differences between the two. Research from the UK has suggested that there's little risk difference between gestational surrogates and traditional surrogates. Both took the view that they aren't the parents, that the intended parents are the parents. However, what we have seen uh, in Australia have been cases where gestational uh, surrogates uh, are seen as less risky than traditional surrogates. Traditional surrogates are seen as more risky because, of course, after the child is born, they may form an attachment to the child and therefore decide to keep the child. About 20 years ago, there was a case in Australia called Re Evelyn, and that case involved uh, two couples a husband and wife living in Queensland, and the judge called them Mr and Mrs Q, and a husband and wife living uh, in South Australia, and the judge called them Mr and Mrs X. Sorry, I should say Mr and Mrs S. However, uh, in fairness to Mr and Mrs S, the judge probably should have called them Dr and Mrs S because the husband was uh, a doctor. It's unclear from the judgment, but it appears that he was a GP, and he used his skills to enable his wife to get pregnant with Mr Q's sperm. This was in the days when surrogacy was banned in both Queensland and South Australia. These couples did not have the benefit of legal advice before they jumped into the deal. They were long-time friends. They also did not have the benefit of having any specialist counselling before they jumped into the deal. Now, that's quite different to what we see now, What we see now is that if you want to proceed with a surrogacy journey in Australia, you should go through the formal processes which require you to have independent legal advice for both sides, the intended parents and the surrogate and her partner, and counselling before you enter into the deal. Each state has different rules about that, but that's the essence of it. What happened? Well, uh, Mrs S got pregnant, Everything, everything worked, uh, with that, and uh, they were overjoyed, uh, and then the child uh, was born, and Mrs S immediately gave the child to 
uh, Mr. and Mrs. Q. So the child was living in Queensland. And then three weeks after the child was born, Mrs. S uh, came up to see the child. This is not an unusual feature. It, as one fertility counsellor, the doyen of fertility counsellors dealing with surrogacy in Australia, Miranda Montrone, has described, namely a hug attack. Up here is saying, I'm not mum, but physiologically uh, is saying, well, you've gone through a pregnancy, you've had all the after effects of pregnancy, uh, you want to make sure the child is okay. And of course, the issue with the traditional surrogate is high risk because you may in, in fact think that you're at mum, your mum, particularly if you haven't had any legal advice or any counselling advice. So what happened? She came and saw the child and took the child. The matter went to court. It ended up in the family court. It then went on appeal in the family court. Uh, the judge found that Miss, the child should live with Mr. and Mrs. S, Mrs. S being the mother. Uh, and then uh, it went on appeal. Um, Mr. and Mrs. S was successful in the appeal. Mr. and Mrs. Q then sought special leave to appeal to the High Court and were knocked back. So what we've seen in Australia is that there is a restriction uh, on traditional surrogacy. And this isn't everywhere. Uh, the ACT and uh, Victoria are the places where there is that restriction uh, on traditional surrogacy. There, there cannot be um, a genetic uh, relationship. And from rec recollection also Western Australia. Western Australia has its own uh, particular uh, prescribed rules about surrogacy, just like everywhere else. But if you're living in Queensland or New South Wales, for example, there aren't any restrictions on traditional surrogacy. You can uh, proceed with traditional surrogacy uh, through an IVF clinic. To clarify with Victoria, you can proceed with traditional surrogacy in Victoria, but you can't do it through an IVF clinic. They're, they're not allowed to do it. And the reason, presumably, is because of this, this view of risk. Because IVF clinics are allowed in Queensland and New South Wales to undertake traditional surrogacy, do they do so? If you look back 10 years ago when the current surrogacy laws came in, the answer was a resounding no. They just didn't. And the reason was because they saw that the risk was too high. What's happened over the last 10 years, however, is that their position has evolved. Most IVF clinics these days who deal with surrogacy, and not all IVF clinics deal with surrogacy, but those who do, uh, will handle traditional surrogacy cases, but deal with it on a case-by-case -case basis. There needs to be assurance that the surrogacy arrangement, of course, is legal in the sense that it's not commercial surrogacy, so there's always this risk uh, feared by doctors that the woman is being paid for her baby, so we want to make sure there's none of that. And secondly, that there's no risk that she'll want to hang on to the child, that she is fully committed to this process. That risk can't be got rid of uh, entirely because the surrogate must consent to the uh, transfer of parentage when the parentage order is made. And if she doesn't consent, then the order can't be made. Tasmania is an exception to that. But in the two big states, Queensland and New South Wales, there's a definite requirement for consent. So provided that you can get past those two hurdles, that the clinic is okay, that the surrogate is uh, on board, then you should be able to do it. Traditional surrogacy is an option, but it needs to be dealt with very, very carefully. Preparation is essential 
prevention is better than cure. An example that I had many years ago was acting for a potential surrogate. She came to me because her sister had cancer and my client and her husband uh, offered to help and my client wanted to be the surrogate for her sister. Anyway, this all sounded a, a wonderful idea, very low risk between sisters, evidently extremely low risk. And I said, I asked the obvious question, what happens if your sister's eggs aren't viable? What then? Well, I was told the clinic concerned won't handle traditional surrogacy. So what they are insistent upon is that there is an egg donor for my sister and then I would carry and I think I said something like, that's nuts. You'd have to say that this surrogacy arrangement between, proposed surrogacy arrangement between you and your sister is very, very low key. And I would have thought that the idea would be that there would be a genetic relationship uh, on both sides of the family for this child, namely husband's sperm and your egg, if your sister's egg isn't viable. And that's where the conversation ended because of course, that wasn't the aim of the exercise. The aim was the intended mother's eggs to be used. And we planned on that basis. And then we discovered that unfortunately, the intended mother's eggs weren't viable. So my clients came back to me and said, can we do it as traditional surrogacy? The clinic at that stage refused to handle traditional surrogacy. I pointed out to the clinic that their sister clinic in another state did so and that this was considered a very, very low-risk case. The clinic then proceeded uh, with traditional surrogacy, and it was a very happy arrangement. The child, of course, went to live with the intended parents, who were then recognised as the parents when a parentage order was made. That clinic these days will not handle traditional surrogacy, so you've got to be careful about where you go. Most do, some don't. And the reason is because they look at risk. The risk is relatively low, but nevertheless, it exists and care must be taken. As I said, prevention is better than cure. Get your legal advice right at the beginning. Look at the choice of clinic right at the beginning. Minimise risk right at the beginning. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate reaching out to Stephen at pageproven.com.au.